Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Harry to my Marv. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I got a great idea. What we do is we put some caramels all over our gloves, and we reach in, and boom, we're the Sticky Bandits. Sticky <laughs> sticky Bandits? Because <laughs> now they're the Sticky Bandits. Uh, and I... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I had to, I had to, uh, had to just like sell it. Um, and our very own Marley. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? Marley, Marley, Marley's the guy with the um, with the shovel, the old dude. Oh, the old man. Oh, okay. Pop. pop. I can't. I th- I never knew he had a man. I never knew he had a man. Oh, they do call him Old Man Marley. It's like I thought he was just old man with shovel. Yeah, I thought he was old man with shovel who uh, you know, hangs out with eight year olds way too much. Let's 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 rest not in, analyze that too much. Rest rest in peace, old man with shovel. So, um, something happened this week with the Seattle Seahawks. They did something that I did not think was possible, which is that they played uh, really poorly and still seemed to be in control of the entire game, and there was never any doubt that they were going to win. Uh, and I got to give a lot of credit to to the game plan and the defense and our inability to convert on fourth downs. For the, for, uh, I also have to give a lot of credit to Carson Wentz, the cure yeah. for the common defense. Because That's let's be honest, fact. Let's be honest. Uh, the if we convert either of those fourth downs in the in the beginning of the game, uh, the, the the whole texture of this game is very different. Uh, it's it's border blowout time, right? And. Uh, and the Seahawks probably look a lot better, but those th- those are two extremely high leverage plays where the Seahawks came up empty. And to be honest, they came up empty in a lot of high leverage situations throughout the whole game. They went two of ten on third down and just kind of came in this house. And it didn't matter because good teams, good teams can play a little bit worse and still win the game. And when that's, what the, Se- that's what the Seahawks did. They had a, like a mild clunker. It was not a a 10 star performance. It was a, there are some, there are some stars here and we're going to talk about that. There was definitely some guys who, who brought it in this game, but, but man, they played, they just played all right. And it was good enough. You know, it was good enough to win. And I think that that is the kind of thing you got to do. If you're a great, great football team in this team, let's be honest about the NFC right now. <clears throat> None of these teams are without flaws. Do yeah. we all agree on that? Every team has some kind of flaw. But if the Seahawks defense can really start to gel and it seems like they're trending in that direction, and I'm not, it's not a finished product yet. I think we'd all agree on that. Yeah, there's still some communication issues that are pretty clear. Carlos Dunlap injury, definitely scary. Yep. Um, Definitely not what I want to see. Because he's been the straw that stirs the drink. He has, (laughs) I will say, he kind of, I don't know if it was him or the accountability meeting, but ever since his, (laughs) ever since his arrival, it does seem like, it does seem like these guys are, are uh, communicating better and doing their jobs. There's just less plays that seem like completely busted plays. What do you think it's because he's made it easier for people? Like they can actually focus on their own jobs. Well, I mean, want that plus he he's good at he's a really disciplined football player going back to his Bengals days and if you watch his Bengals tape, he just he does his job. He he plays in his lane, he plays his assignment really well he he does what he's supposed to do and because of that it frees up other people to do to do their jobs and to do what they're supposed to do yeah not to sound too much like eric wedge but he's that stabilizing veteran uh presence and we didn't really have that on the d-line all that much i think the team and snacks coming in I think the team thought that that would kind of be Bruce Irvin, right? Like Bruce Irvin mm-hmm. would be kind of a stabilizing presence along the uh, the defensive front. Then his and, leg fell off, and now all he does is do awesome tweets. Yeah, he's funny on Twitter though. He got them Twitter fingers. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm totally digging it, dude. He, what did he? He was making Carson fun of Carson Wentz. Cheeks. <laughs> yeah, Carson Wentz's cheeks. Like he was out there, just he was hilarious. So yeah, I think that the, the defense is really starting to gel. They're really starting to understand each other's jobs. And it, and what it allows us to do is to put up a mediocre performance where we go two of two of 12 in these high leverage plays and still win and, and win without really even ever having to worry about winning. Right. Was there, there, there's no point in this game where I felt like, Oh man, here come the Eagles. You know, I was just, it was like 17 to nine. I was like, Oh man, again, that was the most exciting part of the game. I kind of wanted it to end. <laughs> It's like, yeah, stop, the, stop, the, stop the, the count time ever. There was two teams that combined for the exact same score in three straight uh, games against each other. That feels low odds. Yeah. yeah. What, That's what like finding terrible, a new way to score a gummy. Terrible stat. If you're an Eagles fan, yeah. 
And I mean, like I said, if they we score a touchdown on that first drive, this game is way different. It's like not only did we put it away, we really put it away. So okay, let's let's get into it. Let's start. Should we do on, offense then? Start on the off offensive side of the football. Okay. Um, offensive side of the football. There was one guy who stood above the rest. His bristling muscles. His uh, beautiful binky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 13 targets, 10 receptions, 177 yards, uh, just looked incredible out there. Uh, after the game, they asked Darius Slay, they said, um, what happened out there, man? He said, <laughs> what he, said he said, uh, there, I lost every single 50, 50 situation in this game. And, uh, you know what? I have yep. to agree because 11 of those 13 targets while large was while they were covering. And we said before the game, we thought, Hey, they'll probably attack Tyler because they're really bad against number two receivers. And slay has been pretty lock solid. And I think DK Metcalf, he was not joking when he said before the game, they told me you're not Megatron yet. And I was mad. And I think he walked right over to Russ and said, like, I'm, I'm ready. Give me the ball. <laughs> like he did the alpha wide receiver thing, which the Seahawks have not had an alpha wide receiver like this, where a guy who can command 13 targets and completely deliver on that in situations where he, he's not, um, he was, a lot of these passes were not passes that like they're, he was they're Slay was right. These are 50, 50 balls. And he dominated Darius Slay. Um, yeah, he was effectively covered. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear the whole story on this too? No, go, go. So, uh, Philip, so Philly's D coordinator is uh, Jim Schwartz, who was the coach of Detroit with uh, with Megatron. And apparently, what happened was before the game, he came up to him. He's like, "Hey, man, you're really good. You know, you're not you're not quite there yet on Megatron's level, but you know, you'll get there." And yeah, DK I, I, was okay. like, "Oh yeah, man." Did you see? Did you see after the game, he posted the thing from uh, the last dance that just said, <laughs> yes. uh, "He said," and, and I and I took that personally. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> it's that's so accurate too. He's just sitting there like, "What? What? What do you mean? I'm not the greatest yet. That's it. Now I got to prove it. Eight, I'm eight of and hang almost two hundred on you. Eight yeah. of the ten catches went for first downs. It's just a banner performance for for DK Metcalf. Uh, the just he had a, rocked he, a safety. Had a drop. <laughs> had a drop again. But you know what? Like at this point, I think that's just. He's there's certain guys in the league that are going to drop a few passes every once in a while. A good example of this is Amari Cooper. Yep. Amari Cooper, for some reason, he's I think the finest route runner in the entire league. It's him or Stephon Diggs. Those guys are the top two. And and he he, he runs great routes. He gets open. He's a premier athlete. He gets ball. And, and for some reason, he's just going to have eight random drops a year. D, maybe DK, maybe that's just part of his game. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, you take the bad with the good on that one. If he's going to have a con- like one concentration drop every other game, getting targeted as many times as he gets targeted, you just you just take that when because he, he, incredible. He's getting better at when he drops, so they're not they're not big costly drops. He had those a couple of those early in the season. Uh, yesterday, I'm not really sure if he had. They're only giving him one drop for yesterday because there was that. Yeah, they did give him one in the end zone. Okay, yeah, there's the one that I I feel like they shouldn't. They didn't need to really rag on him for it. I feel like like that's a that's a rag on a person stat. Like you had a drop, but there was one that you know he frankly didn't really have a chance. Or you know if he'd have caught it, it would have been an amazing catch. Um, I had, when was the last time we had this guy ever? Steve Largent. You can say <laughs> Joey Galloway, but Joey we talked Galloway. about we talked about this before. Like he yeah. is tre- he's trending in the Steve Largent Hall of Fame career direction. Now, it, does he sustain it? Part of the reason that he fell in the draft was that he had a real serious injury in college that people thought would shorten his career or make it harder for him to to bloom into the player that maybe he had the potential to be. And so, you know, you you don't want to you don't want to put the cart before the horse, right? He needs to stay healthy. We need to give him time, but. As of right now, that is the direction he's trending. And I think most people would agree on that. Going with Kevin yeah, Megatron, I was just going to say, with your with the Megatron story, the Calvin Johnson story, I wondered why ESPN had this. I saw a stat, and I'm sure if, you know we try not to give too, much, too many ESPN stats because Espen is not our zone. It's a fun one, though. Uh, yeah, Megatron versus Metcalf, first 27 NFL games. DK Metcalf is eclipsing Calvin Johnson over his first 27 games. That's a huge stat. That's a huge benchmark. That's that's passing someone and not just edging them. That's passing them greatly. A guy who's argued for the Hall of Fame. Uh, young career, but 
Wow. Speaking, speaking of like ESPN graphics, what did you, th- okay. So they, that Monday night football does some, uh, some, some <laughs> I graphics I oh, okay, and I, I got to bring Can this up. I have, man. I have a relevant okay. point before we go so, there though. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. It, it, it better be about DK Metcalf because we'll come it back is, to offense. It okay, is. Good. I had to do DK because, um, so the one thing I was going to say before we get to the one, I know you're going to bring up. Um, so people are going to be a little bit upset about, uh, some of the three and outs we had. Um, what I liked was there were some first down shots to DK Metcalf where it was just basically like, yeah, let's just throw it to him. And it put us behind the chains a little bit and it caused a three and out at one point. But I think that's what you have to be prepared to do because DK is enough of a talent where you kind of need to feed him in a suboptimal situation every now and then. Yeah, it's, um, it's a little different than the, I think we're used to. We're used to Seahawks being a pure efficiency offense. Another thing too is, is that, at some point in this game, we started to try to control the clock as opposed to uh, as opposed to just trying to score a million points. Yeah, and, and ran uh, it directly into the teeth of the best part of their entire team in the defensive line. Yeah. Anyway, I posted this in the in the the group chat here, so if you want to watch along with me, <laughs> uh, feel free. But I really want to talk about this this graphic of Carson Wentz riding a wagon, and then he he rides down the he rides down the slope. It says. 2017, 14.7 touchdown interception ratio. And then he rides the wagon up a ramp with no pushing or anything. It's very, uh, very uh, big feet. Impossible. And it says two, <laughs> last three seasons, 2.3 interception to touchdown ratio. And um, I just, uh, I just really, uh, really don't you know what, to say. what that was. You appreciate what to say the workmanship of the graphics, is what you're saying. Nate. Well, I love the. Okay, well, I'm going to say this. <laughs> Monday night so football. Bad. Monday night football's animations are, have been hilarious this year. They are universally really funny. Uh, they're really weird. Um, they are their that, own meme. That Frank Gore in a race car clip. Did you, did you <laughs> see yeah. that one? Yes. Um, did you see that NFC East Stranger Things from last night's game? Oh God, that was uh, so yeah. Bad. Where they yeah. they had the they had the Stranger Things uh, monster in there, and then it showed all of the all of the uh, like NFC. It showed like Terry McLaurin, Danny Dimes, Carson Wentz, and Ezekiel Elliott all like standing on bikes, and then and then it went to the upside down with the the losing teams that made it to the playoffs, and it had like Marshawn Lynch and Luke Keekley on bikes, and then the monster. <laughs> Because yeah. those were the the losing teams that made the playoffs. Which hey, I appreciate by the way that they put uh, Marshawn Lynch on a bicycle. At least they honors honors wishes. Yeah, I mean it is just the, the these animations have been funny all year, and I think that those did nothing to change it. There Do you is think a su- that they know what they're doing, or is oh, it absolutely, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I would have to assume they know they're making a meme. It's extra. Yeah. It's extra work because of COVID. They they're trying to put more production value in, <laughs> and I just want to say I appreciate it. So. um Here's a couple things. One, there's a Reddit, Reddit, uh, MNF, MNF GIFs. That's a subreddit <laughs> that posts these clips on here. They're also Twitter on Twitter. ESPN production did a behind the scenes of how these uh, Monday Night Football cartoon graphics are made. Um, and this is what they had to say about them. You ready? Our Monday Night Football cartoon graphics. This is from November 23rd. Eagerly anticipated and amazingly detailed check superb storytelling check artistic educational and entertaining check how do these award-winning creations come to life must watch a tour into monday night football cartoon world turn the volume up (laughs) and then they dude the best is that another good one this season was that joe flacco uh raven i like the qb retirement home one Oh yeah, that was a good one with Aaron, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, and they're all playing cards. Yeah, they're and stuff. playing. Uh, yeah, they're playing croquet and stuff. Yeah, uh, Matt Matt Ryan. Okay, let's get out of here. We're we're spending way too much time on this. People are like, get back to the Seahawks. Uh, it it was great to see Chris Carson back. They eased him in. Only eight carries. Uh, didn't play a ton of snaps, uh, but got forty one yards uh, on those eight carries. Uh, Twenty eight of them after contact. Had a had a sixteen yard rush. Looked really just really good. Chris Carson is back. Yeah, that, uh, also, that touchdown run was just power that was all gas got a healthy dose of carlos hyde who had 15 rushes for 22 yards but if mm-hmm. you take out his if you take out his longest rush he had 14 rushes for 14 yards so uh you know the good old one yard per carry other than Model that one rush. efficiency also of those 15 carries kevin how many of okay 15 carries how many of them went for first down that's a lot of carries uh it's it's one one that's not good that's no, that, that's fair. less than ideal. I said in the group chat that if Car- Carlos Hyde just never touched a uh, foot uh, football for the Seahawks again, I'd be fine with it. But really? but 
yeah, I think between DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, we can replace that production for for less than less than Carlos Hyde is making, which is not even that much. Well, I agree. I think something we have to talk about at this point is the uh, the fact that we just lined up a tackling dummy at right tackle, which I think kind of drug down our run game and also just our entire offensive line. I mean, Agbui looked pretty bad. Of the thirteen pressures allowed, he was credited with five of them. I don't. I thought he was pretty bad, but their defensive line is really good. Asking yep. him to have his first start in the uniform against the defensive line as talented as Philadelphia, I think is a pretty big ask. And so I don't know. I, I don't, I don't totally blame him for, for the performance. Um, and I don't think the tight ends did a great job of helping him either. They tried to help a tight end. I watched the, on the rewatch. I tried to watch to see how they tried to help him. And it seemed like they did try to help him with a tight end a lot. And that didn't really help. Yeah, That's why Disley <laughs> didn't end up getting um, any targets was because he was in helping on the right side a lot. Yeah. He 20 Disley blocked 20 in the run game, 22 times in this game on his uh, 26, 26 snaps. Uh, and yeah, I thought Disley like he was helping, but it just it still was not good. Their defensive line is really talented. I mean, we saw it on the fourth and two play that David Moore sweep. Let's let's talk about that oh, play man. individually. Such a slow okay, developing so play. so they run this slow developing sweep play, but on that play, DK Metcalf is supposed to come back and block a defensive end. And then on against a normal team, I might think that's a good idea, but against against this Philadelphia defensive line, he's gonna have to block someone who's really good, and he he doesn't engage in his block very well. He just tries to push the guy over, and he pushes him straight back into the play. And if you look at the the whole play. I mean, they were set up to to block for David Moore out in front. They had guys out in front ready to to put him in the end zone. But you know, DK didn't finish his block, and then of course because of that, the rest of the um, the rest the, the the whole play gets blown up. And I mean, it's it's the one it's the one uh, dark spot on the bright day for DK. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, is is that? Yeah, though that, I feel like that's an assignment issue. Asking him to block a good defensive end, I think is I think that's a mistake. I mean, I, against a lot of teams, that play probably works, right? Against Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, and Derek Barnett, it does does not work. The thing that sucks is that like he on that play, he's blocking Derek Barnett, and Barnett had been in his ear the whole game and like been messing with him the whole game, and so I was like, oh yeah, he probably was excited to go out there and try to block him, but I mean. Derek Barnett is is pretty solid. You know, he's, he's a like, really good I, edge. I would say he's like the the weak the weak link, and he'd probably be like the best or second best defensive end on our team. So so <laughs> so uh, that's that's a, that's about all I need to say about that. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was just a like I understand the play call, but it's the, it's the same as um like the 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 Super Bowl end of the Super Bowl play. Like you when you make a play call like that, you need to make sure the execution is perfect and. Uh, the execution was not perfect on that. Yeah, play. and I, I, I'm not trying to like rag on Seti. I think it's one of those things where he's a, he's a well below average. He's a D level tackle, and it was against a really good defensive line. I think if Shell was in there, it would have made a difference on a number of plays. I think and Shell's I, really like. I, I think if anything, this shows how valuable Shell is, because I agree. Kevin. I think the way he blocks really helps both Lewis and Posich quite a bit. And it I, takes I, things I, off their plate. I mean, Agbui is a swing tackle, right? Let's let's be serious about it. He's a player that you don't want to have to use if you can help it. And uh, he, I, I think he's good enough to be on an NFL roster, but he's in the right spot. He's a backup that can play left and right tackle. That's that's his job. And uh, I mean, you can't. I can't think you can rely on your backups to be amazing every time. It's next man up. I'm sorry. Always compete. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> I got, oh, did you I, see that BV boy Haynes got in for uh he was one, the backup on the snap that you uh, body was out. Yeah. So next man one, up. One is, play. Is I'm ready. I'm ready for Haynes. More, more Phil Haynes, please. Yeah. The BV backup. My, my favorite BB football boy. player. That's never, that's barely played. Um, uh, I thought the offensive line was solid, though. That this, this is a tough assignment. This is a it's tough sledding against this defensive line. I thought they were not a minus. They were just uh, it was a lot of pressures. I mean, we allowed thirteen pressures, but only one sack. And Russ had enough time to to operate the offense. I mean, like like I said at the at the top, if we complete you know more third and fourth downs, this game this game is a blowout. Right? We could have won this game forty one to nine. Well, no problem. Instead of coming out and looking at a bad offensive performance. By the Eagles, you can say, "Hey, well, we we caused them to rush and we caused them to to force things," but it, we kind of exposed that you know the Eagles just couldn't do anything. And let's be honest, like when you go for it on fourth and two like that, you take the ball off the foot of your best player. 
<laughs> little nice. Jason Myers humor. That's real for, nice. For, that was real nice for for my boy Otto Myers. Uh, so it's, who who by the way? Let me just sneak this in here. Three for three uh, on field goals. Two for two on extra points. Well, yeah, um, they had to do it because it's a paradox. Because he's as soon, he doesn't miss field goals, but he does miss extra points, and that was an extra point uh, length not, not, of kick. Not, yeah, I know. It's a, but the he didn't want is, to, to do the paradox. Couldn't happen. Uh, the thing is, another uh, weird thing to point out. Okay. Even more. Three catches on three targets, negative six yards, and a touchdown. <laughs> and a touchdown. <laughs> I think I think I saw someone tweeted that it, like negative That's six weird. yards is the is the least yards anyone's ever had while also scoring a touchdown. Yep. Player of the week. Um, That's a thing so, that happened. Uh, he was wide open, or he was not open on that play. They ran like a weird like uh, fade thing fade to David thing, yeah. Moore. Uh, but uh, and I will say this: uh, hate I hate fades. They're the one of the worst plays in the NFL playbook. But uh, it worked, so whatever. I'm gonna allow it. That play was um, basically just like, hey, Avante Maddox sucks. Let's throw it at his head. And then it worked. Pretty Got there. much. <laughs> uh, Jason Myers on the path for the Pro Bowl, though. And we're gonna we, we're gonna start the campaign now. Get get this get my man's in the Pro Bowl. I love glasses Mick Kicker, Rigoberto Sanchez. I think it's fun, but he should not be in the Pro Bowl. It's gotta be Otto Myers. Make it happen, fan, Seahawks fans. Get out there and do your Pro Bowl vote. Also, vote for someone else for special team specialist other than – no, I'm just kidding. Vote for Nick Ballore. I, I'm just clowning. Uh, Nick Ballore is in first right now. Did you know that? I know. Did that's so, so weird. Do, do you know do how – you, you know why? Do you know why? So for every other position, they pick a key stat and sort by that stat. So like the first place kicker is Sanchez mostly because they sorted by field goals made and he's first. So a lot of people when they're filling out their ballot, they're like, don't care about kicker, and they just click on the guy who's first. Okay? Well, Ballora is first for specialists. Why is that? Alphabetical? Because it's alphabetical. Yeah. <laughs> That's so dumb. That's the dumbest. I mean, it's almost as dumb as Ballora being first place in anything. I don't think Ballora's having a bad season in special teams, though, and he's had a couple good run blocks. That's and fun. Special teams. Uh, he had a tackle in the last game. I mean, yes. come on. So what I'm hearing is we need to get Ugo Amadi next year nominated. Nick Ballore special, that, Nick Ballore special teams grade this year, PFF rating 89.3. Oh, yeah. I don't know how they rate that because it's special teams, and I don't really think about that, but oh, yeah. It's definitely um, not rated by pass blocking. Okay, so let's um, <laughs> let's move on to Russ. Russ bot, uh 22 for 31, 230, one touchdown. Okay, I have a question for you guys. Russell Wilson over the last two weeks has like 410 total yards. Was uh, was Lut Russ Cook a mistake? No. <laughs> Next question. Uh, <laughs> Come on, really? What? What? It, what? It, why is it? Why is it when we throw less, we keep winning? What? What's going on? Uh, well, actually, uh, 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 old man honestly, yells at cloud. <laughs> somebody once told me that we should switch to an exotic Smash Mouth. Oof! I was it. Was it a Mike Munchak? It was. Are, are people really <laughs> saying this though? That was it a mistake? Because this is <laughs> you're regressing to last year. Do you really want to do that? Come on, it's okay. Here's the other part of it: we had 38 dropbacks to like 27 design runs. I think we're still clearly passing much more. Yeah. So it's a completely irrelevant point. We're just burning more clock. Like I think the thing that's the biggest difference between the Seahawks' last two games and the and the previous uh, the previous what would that be nine eight games nine games is that we're winning time of possession and we have not been winning time of possessions this season and part of that is just it's just going a little slower we played really up tempo in the early early games you know we would just go up tempo and and play no huddle and stuff like that and that just isn't happening as much and i and think injuries might be part of that too even though i thought those looks were fun you're right kevin you're 100 percent right is the offensive line is not fully healthy and i don't think they feel comfortable going up tempo when the offensive line is not healthy one thing i like is that we have that up-tempo look in our back pocket now. We can always bust that out when we really need it, you know? Like I when, like that. When, when the, offen mm -hmm. the offense is sputtering, it's not working, it's a close game, we can go, hey, you know what, let's go up-tempo in the first quarter, in the second quarter. We know it works early in the game now. The Pete, old man Pete now is not going to wait to bust it out to six minutes left in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Right. He can he can take that out. Of, he knows now that he could take that out of his pocket at any time and say, "Okay, let's run a hurry up at the end of the first quarter. Let's get some points on the board and start putting some pressure on these guys." And I think that is that is a big step forward for this offense is knowing um, that situ they can play situational football and, and do different things at different times. They don't have to. It just seemed like before in previous years, 
our game plans were always exactly the same, right? It's like in the first, first quarter we do this. So, and and on this, but like in the first quarter we play like this, and the second quarter we play like mm-hmm. this, and then in the fourth quarter we really play like this. And it's like you can you can shift gears all the time, man. You don't have to just go first gear, second gear, third gear, fourth gear, right? Like you can, yeah, the, you the can shift back Bevel down to third. Commemorative two minute warning drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put it <laughs> put it up to put it up to fifth, man. Get in, get it, get it really going. You know, they 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 now have a have the ability to do that, and they have a wide receiver in DK Metcalf who I think can make turn any situation into a big play, which is good. Any other offensive thoughts before we move on to the uh, the, the defense, which is coming along slowly but surely? Mm-mm, I want I think defense. We cover that pretty well. All right, defense. Uh, okay, let's start with uh, the the acquisition of the offseason. Uh, a guy who we brought on only seven pass rushes in this game. We made him count four pressures, two sacks. That's Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams. This is what we want to see, right? Do we all agree? Seventy-one yeah. snaps, pass rushing on less than ten percent of snaps. And making those pass rushes count. Love it. Great game for Jamal Adams. Uh, I don't really have anything else to say. I mean, this is, I think, exactly the performance that that he needed to kind of get himself situated in the offense the way that he needs to be used. Yeah, he had exactly one bad play. And it was that garbage time throw to Goddard when he missed the tackle and like kind of let go of him. And oh yeah, that oh, was yeah. that was it. Otherwise, he was in position to make plays in coverage. He was extremely effective as a blitzer, and he made a couple of big shots in the run game. He was everywhere. He was he was the player that we thought we were getting. I, I agree 100, percent Nathan. Um, yeah. He looked like the dude that we thought we picked up in the offseason. He looked like a guy who could do it all because he is a guy that can do it all. And uh, by not overusing him in the pass rush, it allowed him to shine everywhere on the field. So Jamal Adams played 71 snaps. Quandre Diggs played 71 snaps. So if we were thinking about last year's Seahawks football, we're thinking, okay, what what percentage of snaps went to to linebacker number three? And what percentages of snaps went to Ugo Amadi? Eric, since I know you don't look at this, the snap counts. <laughs> you are uh, correct. Uh, not always. Know, but You look at other stuff, but just specifically, I know you, you generally don't yeah, look at There's like two counts. games a year I look at snap counts, and that's because it winds up on what? my news feed. There was 71 total snaps between the uh, mm-hmm. the third the third cornerback and the third linebacker. What was the split of those? Do you think? Oh, uh, you know, right down the middle is somewhere in the 30s. I'm going to say it was somewhere along the lines of the uh, the 20 what 2051 variety. Wow, towards what? Ooh. Towards who? Towards who? Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I have not looked, so now I'm like, oh, can I use a lifeline? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean, lean the more towards, uh, towards um, the Amadi, Amadi or Brooks. Oh, well, you're right. Amadi, yeah. Amadi had 50, and Brooks had 21. You're, you're right on there. Well, it's funny because uh, Brooks, I was, I saw him more, but it's like he stood out more. Which Brooks, Brooks had a couple giveaway. splash. Brooks had a couple splash plays in this game, uh, which is nice because. You want to see a young player like that get an opportunity to contribute, put some good things on tape, some stuff he can feel good about in the in the film room, uh, and also he has some stuff that he could he could work on. You know, he did give up the three receptions in the past game, and uh, I missed. I don't know. And if a really weak uh, DPI. Was, yeah, I was going to wait on that. Yes, the weakest DPI of all time. Uh, that's that is one hundred percent true, Kevin. So, I mean, that got, DPI got, got a pressure. The DPI. Okay, so like. I don't understand the th- he got a DPI because Wentz's throw was so bad because the the receiver turns around and realizes that this throw is going to fall about six yards short of where I'm going to be. So I'm just going to jump back towards the ball with my whole body and then hope I get a pass interference call and then grab on to uh, Brooks's helmet like a face hugger from Alien. Speaking and of grabbing onto helmets, what about at the beginning of the game where that guy just pulled Eupati's uh, helmet up? <laughs> yeah, bro, you can't do that. And well, then that, was get a penalty the, for that was it. the same guy who shoved uh, DK from behind later on. His helmet, yeah, ninety six Barnett. The the because, uh, the helmet flew off. Johnson? The helmet flew off at like a thousand miles an hour too. Well, if oh, you can't yeah. win, you gotta you gotta find a way to get inside the other player's head, and it didn't work. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was nice to see us playing uh, nickel, though, to counter their kind of more open looks. They play a lot of like two tight end, one running back, or three wide receivers, one running back. A lot of a lot of uh, you know twenty one or eleven personnel, which is something that uh, 
Amadi can do a good job helping with, especially because Amadi and Adams, and this is what I want to see us continue to develop, can kind of play interchangeably uh, depend, or depending on where they want to line up on the field, right? Uh, if Adams is going to blitz, then maybe, uh, you know, Amadi goes back a little farther and plays more of a like a second safety role or can come up and cover. That's the kind of flexibility that this defense can have if those guys are on the field together because Amadi can play multiple positions, right? Jamal Adams is kind of a Swiss army knife in the middle of the field. You want to see those guys start to start to understand each other and their roles and then start to be find creative ways to use those guys that aren't because creativity is not just blitzing eight guys. <laughs> and that and and that's that's what that's what uh that's what you want to see is that these defense get creative, but not in a way that is just, hey, we blitzed ten guys. It's not uh that's, yeah, that's not what, what Ken Norton's Norton book says. <laughs> yeah, COVID kind of stole that from us because uh it was supposed to be Blair or Amadi in there, and both of those are ro- capable of rotating into a box safety spot. And then, like you said, we can use uh, Adams to kind of flip between that camera roll or that weak side linebacker role in a blitzing package. And so we could keep all DBs out there while still kind of running a 4-3 defense. Okay, so Eric, what about the uh, the defensive <clears throat> line? We have all these players, Jaron Reed, Puna Ford, Rasheem Green, LJ Collier, with Snacks Harrison, Alton Robinson, like tons of different guys appeared in this game. Carlos Dunlap, of course, who had the, uh, the lower ankle injury. So seeing all these different guys contribute like that, does that does that give you a hope? Like the rotation seems pretty deep, and we haven't even seen one game of Darrell Taylor yet. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I kind of forget. Every time there's a guy that we haven't seen for a while, I forget about him. Uh, Darrell Taylor being that guy this time. Uh, Rasheem Green was that guy last year. Uh, the The depth is really good. There's a little there's a little like timeout with Carlos Dunlap not being in. Uh, right now, like in, in the in the lineup, only because he had an MRI on his foot. Will he play this week? Will he be out a couple weeks? Will he be just fine? Pete Pete said something about that that kind of made me laugh. Pete goes, "Oh no, uh, I don't even want to speculate on that until I see the MRI." And it's like, uh, what an know, uncute like, you, thing to say. Once you once you see the MRI, do you know that you don't have to speculate anymore? You've seen the MRI. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. <laughs> It's a, it's a, yeah, but, but seeing all these, de- he's got, what he's saying, he's got an MRI, but seeing how all these defensive linemen contribute though. It's, it, it, it excites me a little bit. It makes absolutely. me excited. I mean, yeah, dude, a deep rotation. That's what we used to have. That made a big difference. Having a yeah. Deep and rotation. it's, it's guys that can come in and be fresh. I mean, we're approaching the end of the season. We're approaching the playoffs. Carlos Dunlap, please be okay. Because you are, you're putting up Madden numbers like, oh, seven sacks in a game. It's crazy. Yeah. Vincent Mayo. That's one thing that's crazy. Collier is working on being an assistant coach. Eight sacks in this game. Eight sacks in this game. LJ Collier got a pressure and two run stops. He's a contributing rotation player. I don't know what to do with this information. Just barely. Yeah. Alton Robinson got a, got, it was credited as a, um, as a hurry instead of a sack because Wentz fell over the line as he got sacked. Yeah. I mean, Alton Robinson. Okay. When Darrell Taylor comes back, I think that this is a really deep defensive line group that like we said, I said this two weeks ago when we, when we traded for Dunlap that you don't have to babysit these guys anymore. We don't need to send casino blitzes. We don't need to get overly creative and stupid. This is a defensive line that can contribute to the football team without us babysitting and the Seahawks defense works best when we use blitzes judiciously, right? So yep. this is good because well, here's here's our blitzing. Um, Shaq Griffin came once, Jamal Adams seven, Bobby Wagner five, Amadi three, Brooks one. Those are that is, and Bobby got three pressures on those five. Oh yeah, Adams got four pressures on those seven. Well, wh- that's when beautiful. you blitz judiciously, it's not, um, and it's not stupid. You know, you don't blitz like a thousand times so ever and make it really <laughs> obvious so everyone knows you're coming. Uh, Wow! All of a sudden, it actually works. You know, it's, <laughs> every time you say things like that, I just imagine Kid Norton listening, going like, "No, you're coming." Oh, but write that down. Just taking notes. It's like, what? What do you <laughs> yes. mean? Oh, so they? If you do it all the time, they sense. Oh, that's not what I have here. Ooh. Uh, man. Uh, yeah. So that I think that the defense is improving now. Do I think they're good? We we know that the Philadelphia offensive line is a mess. Carson Wentz is playing at one of the lowest levels of the of any quarterback this season. And the next couple of weeks we're playing the giants and the jets. Uh, 
So do we? No, dude. Ask the announcers. Oh my god. Carson Wentz is playing just fine. The offensive line is letting him down. It's the coach. He doesn't have any wide receiver. He doesn't have any wide receiver. My friend in Philly. My friend in Philly <laughs> blamed uh, part of it on Doug Peterson, and I was like, what? I can't wait for Peterson to go somewhere dude, else. Doug Peterson's. Doug Peterson's like, I don't care if I get fired. I hope it's. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Either I hope if it's I were an him. AFC. Just don't. I want the NFC to suck. Just dude, go to that the quad- He's gonna go to the. He's gonna go to the Chargers. That quandary. Interception. Can I just say, I've never seen anyone oh, throw a ball harder straight at a defensive player. <laughs> like, he, he rifled that thing. And it was downfield, too. So, like, it's not like he didn't see the guy. Like, that guy is really far downfield for you to not see him because he's in the basically in the end zone. He's at the front of the end zone. So, like, if you're looking past him, what are you even looking at? Like, you're trying to throw the ball to a guy in the first row? (laughs) Not only was it an arm punt, but it was a touchback arm punt. I mean, not even an arm punt. They were in field goal (laughs) range. If they just... (laughs) Well, that was on... Wasn't that fourth down? Yeah, they went for it on fourth down. uh, And he rifled it to Diggs. And he rifles it to Diggs. And they should have just kicked the field goal there. And then this is a different, that's another thing. I think yes. they Philadelphia, yeah. Philadelphia got a little aggressive when maybe they shouldn't have. And that kind of hurt them uh, because they could have, they could have just slowly chipped away at the lead and made a game, the game more interesting, whatever. I, I, I think like, I, like you said, Kevin, I think Doug Peterson <laughs> is ready to, to be out of this situation and find a, you know, he's going to go be an offensive coordinator for, for Kansas city for one year while when B enemy gets hired this off season and then go, go find a new head coaching job somewhere else. So, which, you know what, that'll be a nice rehab for him to just go work with Patrick Mahomes for one year. Yeah. That'll probably be. No, he won't have a year off. He'll, he'll get hired by somebody who wants somebody who can like shape their quarterback. Uh, I don't know. I, we'll see. He'll go to the new Wentz in uh, Los Doug Angeles. Doug Peterson is the Ooh. kind of coach with the success that he's had and his ability to mold an offense around a substandard talent like Carson Wentz that he can. I think that he gets to he will he will wait because he'll want to pick his job. Not it's it won't be the fact that he can't get hired. It's that he won't want the first job that comes along, and he'll take a gap year either announcing or. Like I said, being the offensive coordinator. That's what I was about Andy to say. If he, if he can handle it, maybe he'll uh, go the Gruden route for a year. Yeah. The, just, he'll do something else for a year other than head coach, just waiting for a, a better opportunity. And then, you know, all of a sudden, boom, he's back in it. And this team that he's coaching is good. And it's, everyone's like, oh, Doug Peterson, he's actually good. It's like he was always <laughs> he was always good. That's how he won the Super Bowl, yeah. Howie Roseman, Howie Roseman just – Jets with Trevor Lawrence. Howie Roseman just slowly killed this roster. Like <laughs> – this roster was an incredible collection of talent, and Roseman has just slowly killed it by missing on every draft pick, like just screwing up over and over. Drafting Jalen Hurts, um, I actually think Jalen Rager is fine. I, I watched, I watched him specifically because yeah. I wanted to see, like, hey, was this Jalen Rager pick totally a bust? I think Jalen Rager's solid. He, uh, Wentz does this weird thing where he goes very quickly from first read to second read, and then that first read sometimes it's on a longer developing route and he doesn't go ever go back to it to see what happened or anything. Or like um like there was a play where Alshon Jeffrey burned Trey Flowers and if he just stays with that route, pump fakes on the double move and then throws it over the top to Alshon Jeffrey, they probably score a touchdown. But that's like Carson Wentz, you know, that's a Carson Wentz problem, not a there's nothing you can do to fix that. He's panicking. He doesn't make good choices and he has really bad short and intermediate accuracy so his dump off throws are like no sure thing and that's a problem because if you're gonna panic and go to your your second or third option really quick you know you got to be able to complete the the two the two yard swing pass to your running back the story was told in the first drive of the game seahawks spotted them five yards starts out first and five three and out three and five yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah, that was. I laughed so hard at that. I rewound it on my TV. I was like, I gotta watch this. I gotta watch every single drive right now. There are th- three short passes, and two of them were very, very bad. Yes. Oh yeah, just airmail, just, just terrible throws. And yeah, the other one 100%. was not was just not accurate. It was it was bad. So yeah, it's- comic comically bad throws right off the bat. And yeah, Carson Wentz not good. That we can just we can just say this a million times, but it's just I think it bears repeating. Carson Wentz. Uh, they they will they made so many excuses for him in this game, acting like it is not his fault, and it's just he's just not good. He's not cutting it. And if you put him in the perfect situation, he can blossom. I don't disagree with that. But he fumbles a lot. He, he's inaccurate on short and intermediate throws. Yeah, that's that's Carson Wentz for you. We won't see him again until next year or two years from now. 
This this game actually hurt our DVOA because Philadelphia sucks so bad. <laughs> yeah, so even though they didn't do anything good, like it, it just looked bad to play against. Yeah, them. Play, Dude, we went from we, four point eight yards per attempt. Oh, we gosh. stayed in ninth, but I mean, our, it went down. A, our number went down a little bit, and uh, if we would have went up a little bit, we would have jumped over Indianapolis, who played pretty poorly. Uh, that so yeah, it, it's tough, but. The defense, like I said, the defense looks good. We play the easiest, one of the easiest schedules in the league the rest of the year. We got we got Giants and Jets in back to back weeks, right? Or is it back to back, or is it is there a split in between that? We got it's back to back, and then we have Washington after that, and then we got the football team, which who is playing better? But Alex Smith is a quarterback where you can definitely game plan him out of the game. So they're just a talent deficient team right now. Like their defense is pretty solid, but they're just deficient. I think Terry McLaurin will probably have a good game against us unless the secondary continues to improve at a pretty My fantasy health, team healthy so. clip. So uh, he'll be Terry McScorin. <laughs> hey, oh, great one. Uh, yeah, but too, too bad that we'll be burning them with a DK Metcalf. Uh, I didn't come up, couldn't come up with a pun fast enough. Sorry. Um, okay. So, that's about it for me. Anything else you guys want to talk about about last game? Or are we going to ready to go into our Giants preview? That's what I've been uh, waiting on. Uh, my, my internet got Comcasted for a minute, but did you guys talk about how nice it was to have Shaquille back? No. Oh, no, we didn't. Uh, that was just one last point. Shaquille looks solid, and it was just nice to have a guy back there where you're just it, not worried. It about might him. be in the podcast still because I stayed quiet for a pretty long time. Eric can confirm. So behind behind the curtain here with the Seahawks sure. nest, sometimes when Kevin's internet goes out, the way our recording software works, he'll keep recording his his part because he's talking in his computer even if he's not connected to us. So I just stayed quiet for a really long time, and then I'll fix it in the <laughs> then I'll fix it in the edit together. So if you talked about that, that might be the second time you also, mentioned Shaquille Griffin. Uh, I didn't talk about that. I was talking about something one other different. thing we like to do also and i didn't do it on this one but when someone's internet goes out and you can tell they're still talking i personally like to do this i can't hear anything and i just go "Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm." (laughs) because it's called show value and we do that for you the listener we truly love you and so we uh, Uh, mm -hmm. it's just hard i love that you pull the t john just really Mm, uh, yeah that's great it's just hard to 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 (laughs) when you're having like so our style is so conversational it's really hard to go back and like redo a conversation it always feels really bad we've had to do that before and it's it's we've done it but it sounds very well it's like a completely different conversation yeah all right, you guys. Uh, All right, we going to talk New York foot, New York football giants, giants, as opposed to the New York baseball giants from seven which ha- years ago, yeah. which have not played in New York since uh, oh before you were born. Yes. Okay. Since the young Schwam was actually young. So let's talk about the Giants. The Giants suck. Suck, and their quarterback <laughs> is Colt McCoy, forty-two thirteen. But they are very once again, I'm gonna say the same thing I said last week. If they do one thing well on defense, it's stop number one receivers. They're sixth in DVOA versus the number one receiver. That being said, that was true last week, <laughs> the team we played, and their <laughs> for number when we torched their number one receiver to the point that they dropped down like 15 spots in <laughs> so what i'm saying is they're sixth now and james bradbury is playing really good this season he has been locked if james fahrenheit 451 bradbury can't put out dk metcalf then he is likely to end up getting about 15 points on his quarterback rating um tacked on as well yeah yes. they're and I, this offense with Colt McCoy, I can't imagine it will be very good. They have good special teams, but I don't think that that – just having good special teams matters. We've seen that on our team this year. We have an excellent punter, and our kicker is automatic. And it, it gives – it's a big confidence booster, right? When that – you know when we're inside the 40, like we're getting three points if we want it, if it's you know situationally appropriate. And if we're outside of – you know if we're around midfield, you know that punt is going inside the 20. And if our defense keeps playing good, that's a huge advantage to a field tilter. So, yeah. I want to see more Carson. I'm hoping his pitch counts a little bit higher. Yeah, they definitely um, – once, they definitely once the game was in control, we're like, all right, it's Carlos Hyde time. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like Dexter Lawrence, B.J. Hill, and Leonard Williams in the middle of that defense. They've got uh, Blake Martinez who cleans things up nicely. Jabril Peppers playing box safety. Like they've got a lot of guys who can uh, make run stops. And so having somebody 
who can um, avoid or break a few tackles would go along. Here's the thing is that I actually was, I actually was like when I was scouting Daniel dimes to come up to this game, I was like, this guy is kind of like Carson Wentz if he could run. And that's actually not that bad, (laughs) but like, he's hurt now and he's not playing in the game. And now we have Colt McCoy who I could not worry about if my life, I could not get, no. I cannot get it up to get worried about. Colt. If Colt McCoy plays well, it's because we are cursed against backup quarterbacks. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel dimes. I was like, Oh man, he might, he might go for like two fifty and have some good run plays against us. And like that, he could make the game interesting, right? He's, he's solid enough. And this offense around him is actually surprisingly decent. It's not, you know, it's not the same as it was with Saquon, who uh, I think that uh, someone would want me to say that's the second best Penn State running back in the uh, NFC East. But but, <laughs> but uh, there now I have I have pleased the audience now. But uh, but they you know Dar- Darius Slayton's a good football player. Sterling Shepard's a good football player. Evan Ingram's a good football player. Golden Tate is still solid. He still is a contributor. And Wayne Gallman is not as garbage as people make him out to be. He's very average. He's having a great year. I would kill for some Wayne Gallman backup running back uh, when we were when we were in injury hell and we were down to just DJ yeah, Dallas. Yeah, he takes the hide backup role. When, yeah, they, would, when they put him in this year, I was like, this guy's still in the league, but he's actually having like his best season. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only like in his fourth yes, year or something, yes. right? It just feels like he's been in there he's forever. Just, here's the thing: for a a guy who can't run, who runs like a four six forty, he's also really uh, not that big. <laughs> like, like you know what I mean? Like it's way like, double down on the not way to hype. Not only up. is he not only is he slow, but also he's not huge. But the thing about a player like that is that okay, like it, it's like Zach Moss. We we scouted Zach Moss in this offseason. We played Buffalo this year, so I maybe like looked into him a little more. Zach Moss is also has the same thing. You can still be a good contributing running back if you have that profile. You're just never getting a run of over like 15 yards because people are gonna chase you down. People are well joked on you long of 26 for Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman. Yeah, that's not that long though. Like he's not busting any huge runs is what I'm trying to The miracle happened is what I'm saying. He is a, <laughs> he's probably a yeah, sh- Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has their longest run of the season. Eight. Yeah. Remember that, that, that run was amazing where he fell down <laughs> the turf. Yeah, monster that, run? Was, that was, that was so, so great. <laughs> that was the best run on all every the, level. the clown and memes. Yeah, they were great. Oh man. I loved it so much, but yeah, Wayne Gallman is, Oh, by the way, Kevin, he has no other rushes over 20 yards this year. So, yeah that's my favorite so so yeah he's just he's a good solid player but nothing he doesn't scare you we should be able to bottle up this offense with colt mccoy this should be similar to the last game where we maybe the offense plays better and we do score 41 points but even if we don't the game should be solidly in control start to finish the seahawks should control the football and really make it uh make it easy for themselves so we'll see what happens i'm you know it's seahawks football so any literally and nothing is off the table but that's what i expect in this one anything you guys uh, want to say about the new york football giants uh one thing i'm i'm gonna just throw this out there and you laugh me out when we win 42 to 13 but i'm a little worried that we play to the level of our competition and i there's no real evidence to that outside of this philly game but I just I don't want us to throw up a stinker. I want to just I want to destroy these guys. I want the next rest of the season to be the best offensive Seahawk football you've seen. All all football, but well, I, I want us to go back to just like foot on foot full throttle and uh, you know the other foot on the throats of our enemies. Well, by DVOA, they really have not had a very good game this season so far at all. Like they, they have had yep. no games where the, where they've played really fantastic. So it's very possible that we could do that, that we could put their foot on their throat and really just des- destroy them. I'd love they, it. They're, they're on a three game winning streak. They beat the football team by three. They beat the Eagles that we just beat. And then they beat the Bengals on the road without Joe Burrow. So, you know, Oh, only in America. They beat them nineteen. They beat them nineteen to seven. Eagles were. Uh, I'm sorry. The Giants were only supposed to win three games this year, so we have to put an end to this. Yeah. Well, they they opened the season zero and five and looked universally terrible in those games. The defense yep. has played a lot better since then, and I I don't really 100 percent sure what to contribute that to other than the their coaching staff got in fist fight and maybe it inspired them to play better. Kind of like our uh, our team meeting. Uh, <laughs> Yes, that's exactly it. They, but instead, instead, their their version of that is their coaches get in a fist fight, and then the coach loses the fist fight to the coordinator, and then fires him. Just 
kind well, of. Well, I mean, move. come on, that's what you got to do. That's, that's kind of a punk, kind of a punk move in my that, opinion. That's how you. That's how you prove you're a man. <laughs> you lose the fight, and then you're like, "Hey, you know what? I lost the fate, but you're fired." I could buy and sell you. God, the Giants is a dysfunctional football franchise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, that they should somebody should have done an embed with them all season. That would have been amazing. Um, okay, so uh, scores. Uh, <laughs> sure. They're they're pretty bad. Um, and uh, I do like Eric. Would love to see them just get shelled. So let's just do it. Let's go Seahawks thirty eight, Giants thirteen. What's the what's All the right, line fine. on this game? I gotta look this up. Uh, line is Seattle minus plus 10. ten. Opened at seven yeah. and a half, uh, and then the Colt McCoy effect <laughs> probably kicked in. Yeah. <laughs> People are yeah. like, I can um, I can only get seven and a half for Colt McCoy. <laughs> I'm gonna say they probably shut down the offense at some point. So I'm gonna go 31-16 Seattle. Uh I've said it a few times as a joke. I'm going 42-13 Seahawks in a route. Oh, I like I like the cut of Eric, you know what I like the cut of? My jib. I like the cut of your jib right there. Nice. All right. There are many ways some respect to support there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and for as little as a dollar twenty-four a month, come join the come join the Discord. Uh getting the game day watch party. It's been pretty fun. Uh we've been in the voice chat chopping it up. Also, you know, other days of the week you can hear from us. Also see pictures of our Christmas trees. I'm about to say, yeah, <laughs> holiday pics. Uh, all that fun stuff. Uh Thank you to the new Patreons for December, Charles, Joel, Santiago, Dakota, Shane, Greta, Nathan, Clinton, and Dave. Also to the people who've been supporting us for oh, oh so long, as soon as I click on the right thing to get to the pledges. <laughs> uh, Lucas, solid. Greta, Timothy, Ryan, Cooper, James, Brett, Carrie, Tom, Michael, Brandon, Nick, Charles, Sebastian, Foles, E.B., Emmanuel, Jay, Warwolf, Bob. And Richard and Karen and Mike and Flocktus Keith and Michelle. Oh, <laughs> I I want to try to do it in one breath. That's 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 the, that's, the, that's the dream, but I did not do it. You work on your diaphragm. Yeah, I did really, really. I didn't really take a deep breath before I started. So thank you to supporting the podcast. If you have no money and you're so want to support, give us a review on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. Uh, give us a review and uh, let us know how it's going. All right, so for today, Movie Club, we're going to talk about a holiday classic. Uh, what I think is a slightly overlooked holiday classic, although some people might think differently. They might think I'm crazy. Um, I think when a lot of times people throw on their favorite holiday movie, they throw on A Christmas Story. They throw on Christmas Vacation. They throw on Die Hard. They throw on um, Elf. Elf. Life. Elf is a very uh, big uh, one. They throw on... The Grinch. Miracle on 34th Street. Man, I'm not that old, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was very purposely waiting until they, they put on White Christmas. You mean, um, they put on but I think 40 years. I think I think that there's one movie that should be in the right. holiday pantheon that should be in, in that movie. The the throw it on, watch it every year, uh pantheon of that and I think that it for some it is. And I'm hoping we can convince you to put it in there too. Uh, if it's not. That's Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin. Christopher Columbus, John Hughes, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern. Okay. Um, let me just say this. This is the story of the most garbage family of all time. The, McCall- <laughs> the, McCallicker, the McAllisters are a garbage family, and they've raised a sociopath. Okay. And uh, I would argue they've raised multiple sociopaths. Uh, yes, but, but Kevin specifically is a, what? Is a sociopath. No. Oh, the character. I thought it was being called out. <laughs> no, okay. no, Kevin McAllister. Um, this movie is well. I just this movie is really enjoyable, and I every time I watch it, I kind of like it more. Like it's it actually kind of it it grows on you. Like it, it, it every time you watch it, it gets a little better. And here's the thing: at the heart of this movie, it's about a little kid trying to brutally murder two two robbers who are also trying to brutally murder a little kid. And I just got, you just yep. got to love that. That's a great plot for a holiday. I mean, movie. it builds to that. Yeah, who knew, who knew it was a dystopian movie? <laughs> it's just insane. Uh, Stand your ground laws are probably based on this movie. <laughs> Cause uh, I also like that. It was a John Hughes script. Do you know the story behind uh, um, uh, 
John Candy in this movie? No, I do. I do. Okay, it. so it's a okay, so it's a John Hughes script, and John Hughes is a friend of John Candy, and um, so he convinces him to come down, and like, and this was John Candy, nineteen ninety. This by this time he was a he's a big star, and um, in all senses of the term, and they're like, okay, we got this bit part for you. Um, so if you come down and he's like, uh, he's like, I'm in the middle of these different things. I can give you one day. And it's like, okay, one day. And so they fly him in and he has to shoot for 24 hours until he flies back out. They milk everything they can out of this John Candy appearance to be able to do all those scenes where he is part of the, uh, um, polka band. Yes. Gus Polinski. Uh, part of the polka band that uh, the mom catches a ride polka back. Polka twist. Um, and also that's uh, wi- widely uh, unscripted. That is uh, the belief of yes. that. Anything with Catherine O'Hara is is not really all that scripted. Yeah, she's great in this movie, by the way. Um, continues continues to still to still be great to uh, to this day. But uh, I mean, I think everyone has probably by now watched Shit's Creek on Netflix and. Uh, that she's, I think that you know she's she's very very good in everything she does. Um, so what's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite part of this movie? What's your favorite like uh, setup scene? What's your favorite like little thing? Because there's so many little things that happen in this movie. Um, so, yeah, go ahead, Kevin. I gave it away at the beginning. My favorite is every time Daniel Stern is clearly improving something to try and get Joe Pesci to crack character. <laughs> Because Joe Pesci is a legitimately good actor, and Daniel Stern is a legitimately good comedic actor. And so, you know damn well, they didn't write half of those. The Wet Bandits! He just keeps coming up with random stuff that he can kind of half yell. And I think he's just trying to throw Joe Pesci off the whole time. And it's delightful each and every moment of it. Um, it's pretty pretty great. I agree with that, Kevin. That's, uh, Daniel Stern's almost like the glue of this movie in some ways. Uh, and not the first choice for the movie, which is bizarre when you realize the guy that they were going to get. Uh, for me, it's any any time Macaulay Culkin leaves the house, uh, or Kevin McAllister, uh, he goes shopping. He uh, he goes to steal a toothbrush. Um, he's going to set up traps outside, um, and of course, uh, you know, going to the church at night, uh, visiting Santa. These are all like. Uh, pivotal moments in this character it sounds really stupid to say about this kids movie but look at it it really is and i think that's what gives the movie heart this movie has so much chops like the the they got john williams to do the soundtrack oh that's one thing the soundtrack and the holiday uh songs they pick all bangers all great Uh, i like i like uncle frank (laughs) the beginning of the movie when he comes because you little worm your little jerk. A little jerk. When he um, the, originally they wanted Kelsey Grammer to do that part, but the the um, which would have been awesome. But they just he brings in the pizzas and then he comes in and then yeah, buzz and buzz and. Uh, but he won't pay for the pizzas. Yeah, but he won't pay for them. Oh, you know, I've got a traveler checks. Yeah, they, dude, they, these the whole family just scumbags across the board. You wonder why Kevin is like such a crazy person. It's like, he's the, obviously he's like the sanest of all the kids. Look at, yeah. Look at all this. I also love the story behind the buzz's girlfriend photo. <laughs> oh yeah. They thought it was too mean. So instead of doing an actual picture of a girl, it's a, uh, was it the director's kid dressed up as was a girl? Really? The boy dressed up as a girl. <laughs> buzz's girlfriend. Woof. Oh, <laughs> I mean, Hugh said that the the way he got the idea for the movie is like I'm going away on vacation and I'm making a list of everything I didn't want to forget and I wrote well I better not forget my kids then I thought if I left my ten year old son at home what would he do this is what he thought his kids would do <laughs> he thought his kids would do this I mean taking uh, a sled down the stairs I feel like that's that's number one that part where he's, I made my family disappear. Yeah. <laughs> 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 By the way, Home Alone Two is the exact same plot of the of this movie, except he's not home; he's traveling except, and yeah. goes to someone else's home. And they literally, him- yeah. Except somehow he ends up in New York and like is able to scam everyone in New York into letting him do everything. Yes. They literally ran back the same plot of the first movie, but they added a half hour of runtime. That's literally Home Alone Two. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> 
Uh, someone brought this up. Well, what about the pigeon uh, lady? Can we talk about the probably the real greatest Christmas movie ever? Angels, Angels with Filthy Souls. <laughs> what? The, the gangster yeah, movie? Gangster movie that pl- in, the, in, the, in yeah, this movie. Yeah, filthy animal. Yeah, the filthy animal scene, which is not a real movie. Yes, they filmed it. It was. That's a the guy in that movie is like a grip or something, or he's like a. He's just a guy who was like working on the set, and they were like, "Hey, you wanna you wanna do this like little bit we're gonna do?" There's that you can find a production still online of them filming the angels <laughs> with filthy souls, and it's just like the most absurd thing that they would think about doing this. Leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. It's so good. That's that's probably my favorite part of the movie. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Yeah, that's that, happy. Okay, movie. here's the thing about this movie, okay, is that it's really cheesy. I mean, Ebert at the time gave it two thumbs down and said that, like, the traps are ridiculous and they're so stupid it makes it hard for me to care about the kid. And I understand, I understand all of those criticisms, but this movie ends with a really heartwarming scene in the church that I think, like, gives it a really, like, heartfelt through line that makes the movie. Uh, work if it didn't have that at the end it would just be a stupid kids movie but i think that that ending scene uh where we have in the church is like is good enough that it kind of redeems uh how corny a lot of these traps and stuff are and i mean i think they're fun but you know i understand why people would say they're stupid (laughs) it's stupid but like in a way that's charming yeah um like, this whole movie is cheesy and dumb, but in a delightful way. Okay, so there's a lot of traps in this movie. Uh, some of them are... They, they range... What's your favorite trap? They range, the booby traps in Home Alone range from uh, ridiculous to... Okay, shoots. so I'm going to go over them, okay? So we're just going to go over them real quick, okay? Shoot, shot him in the groin with a BB gun, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, slips, they slipped and flipped and fall on the stairs, because he puts the water on the stairs. Uh, this is these are all the ones that happened to Harry, by the way. Right hand severely burned when he puts it on the doorknob because he's got the electric barbecue starter on the doorknob. Yep. Uh, blowtorch when he opens the back door. Yep. Uh, he walks in practice wrap covered in glue and blasts with feathers and a fan. I don't know. Yep. Uh, he slips on the micro machines at the bottom of the stairs. That that was in the stairs, that, yeah. That, the, I was about to say, the, the other ones have all been in the basement. After that fall the looks brutal, by the way. When in the movie, they, yeah, they, they really it's a good did really good job on that. Uh, gets hit in the face with a paint can, loses his gold tooth. Yep, falls down after tripping on a wire. Uh, falls after swinging to a wall while attempting to use a, a rope, and then he gets hit in the face with a snow shovel uh, by old man Marley. That was not a booby trap, though. Uh, okay, then Marv also 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 shot in the shot in the forehead with a BB gun. Uh, slips slips and tumbles uh, down on his back on the ice covered stairs as well, uh, and then he gets hit in the head with a crow with his own crowbar when he tries to get up. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. Uh, he hits his face with a heated iron falling from a laundry chute. Loses loses his shoe and socks on the on the basement stairs, and then jams a nail into his foot, which is, by the way, one of very the, hard uh, to watch. That's a, that's Everyone hates that scene. Grit grit your teeth when you watch that one for sure. Yeah, they film it like a horror movie too. Like actually. Uh, um, a quiet place filmed, filmed the exact same scene Slip, slips on <laughs> ice again uh, he steps on Christmas ornaments barefoot he also slips on the micro machines on the foot of the stairs gets hit in the face with the paint can also mm-hmm. gets crushed uh, by Harry when he falls up the stairs because he's on the bottom uh, oh. he puts the pet tarantula on his face and then uh, <laughs> uh, he grabs his foot uh, makes panic uh, he falls after swinging to a wall while using a rope to cross to Chevin's treehouse because Kevin cuts the ropes with a hedge clipper, and of course he gets hit in the face with a uh, with a snow shovel. Oh, it's and, still not a booby trap. And uh, yeah, it's not a booby trap. So, okay, what's your what's your uh, what's your favorite of these, Eric? Go ahead. Uh, I know mine. It's the it's the triple play. That's so you know they hits him with a paint can. The next guy goes up and gets hit with a pinky and I don't care about that. It's when they both get up and they say, he's done. Let's go. And he's got the giant. Where did he get this giant metal bar? This pipe, <laughs> this pipe that he, by the way, ties it very good. Kevin McAllister, uh, probably doing home security for people in his great years. Great. Not, not tire too. Possibly, possibly. Yeah, an clearly, clearly had, clearly got that. Yeah, he possibly might be an architect because he, he measures this perfectly to just throw it down 
sends him flying. Uh, that's that was the one where I was like, oh man, he's he literally is out thinking. He's out coaching the other team. Yeah, Kevin McAllister clearly passed geometry. Right. And uh, and algebra. Kevin got favorite. Um, gosh, it's really hard. I think uh, the paint cans are the most iconic, but I really like the um when he grabs the the heated doorknob. I don't know why, but it just the heated doorknob. It's just good. a stupid, really stupid um thing, and they go back to it in the sequel. He has that M burned onto his yes. hand, and then they yep. and he has it still in the sequel. So there's continuity in the in the freaking Home Alone movies, which I love. So <laughs> I think uh, it's hard because. Uh, what part of me thinks like the water down the back steps and the ice, like that's just like, that's, that's an actually like reasonable thing that somebody would do and it would be an effective booby trap. So part of me wants to pick that one just for the realism, but the ridiculousness of him having a zip line <laughs> and then cutting said zip line, like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. I think that's still my favorite one. All right. I liked it when I was five, and I like it now. Uh, so here we go. Um, some, some, uh, you know, I like to read a couple of reviews. A psychotic child tortures two burglars in this hard-hitting jigsaw killer origin story. Um, <laughs> Fact. The the prequel to We Need to Talk About Kevin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pack my suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> Just call the cops, you sadistic little monster. Um. All right. So. Yeah, wait, because he does later. <laughs> this is Murphy. Oh. <laughs> My name's Murphy. I also, I also love the question: What does Kevin's dad do for a living? Because they're clearly loaded, and he seems incompetent. Well, the best, at everything. The, the best Kevin's dad moment is when the family gets home, and Kevin is revealed to be alive and safe, and the house is one one piece, and the dad just kind of reaches down and gives him a quick little, "Hey, you're all right," and then he like goes about his business. That, is, that sums him up as a father just perfectly. Right. Yeah, definitely definitely sums up he's the type of yeah. dad who wouldn't notice his kid missing on a Right. Put it in the Pantheon. We love Home Alone. Uh you want if you love Home Alone, if you hate Home Alone, tell us in the Discord. Yeah. Uh tell us on Twitter. We'll see you guys next week. Go Hawks. <laughs>